You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 245. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. The world today has a way of taking good and noble things and twisting them into something God never intended. And as I spent time in scripture this week, although I am feeling a little under the weather, you might be able to hear it in my voice. Um, I've got the raspy voice going today. But I spent time in scripture this week anyway, and I was inspired by Sanctus Real's song Confidence while I was reading scripture. The stark contrast between God's way and the world's way rose to the surface. And I can't wait to jump in and combat these bad ideas with truth. But first, let's listen. So give me faith like Daniel in the lion's den. Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness. Give me a heart like David, Lord, be my defense. So I can face my giants with confidence. The title of our song and then the biblical characters that were listed here in the chorus they inspired me the most this week. So the very first thing I did was to read large chunks of scripture to remind me of the stories of Daniel, Moses, and David. Now, I just said stories, but what I really meant to say was historical account. And I think sometimes we forget that these um, accounts are real. Um, they, they're real people. Um, Daniel, Moses, and David were real people with real life stories, um, but they're not fiction. They're historical accounts. And so I may use the word stories and your pastor may use it as well, but always take a moment to remember that they truly are accounts. And I also use the bite of read and keep on reading because these characters' stories (laughs) come to life over several chapters. And so uh, bite, by the way, is an acronym. It, It stands for Bible Interaction Tool Exercise. And my contention is that when you vary the way you study God's word from week to week by using these exercises and others that you'll find in the course of your time um, in God's word, that you won't get bored and you'll start to see new things in new ways. So the next bite or the next Bible interaction tool exercise that I really used this week was to consider a topic. And so as I was reading these accounts of the lives of, of Daniel and Moses and David, I considered the topic of confidence. And with this topic in mind, I considered these men and whether they had confidence or not, where they got it from, and how it was attributed. And then the next bite I used was to consider the opposite. This is very useful for me. I don't know why sometimes the truth comes out when I consider what the opposite looks like. And in Proverbs 3.26, it says, The Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. But I know that the world's definition of confidence and the Lord's definition, they're two different things, you know, because to consider, (coughs) excuse me, to consider the contrasting views of the world and scripture. In fact, I looked up in preparation for the podcast today, I did a quick Google search for increase your confidence, right? And so one of the top results came from Entrepreneur Magazine, which I would consider this a somewhat reputable source. It vets its authors. It's not crazy um, ideas that are out there. It might be something that you would actually buy. Some of you may be entrepreneurs and actually have a copy of this magazine on your desk. 
But what I found did not surprise me, (laughs) but it did amplify the contrast between God's example and the world's advice. And so here's the thing that I've discovered as I combat the father of lies in my life. First of all, he will take truth and twist it just slightly. So it still looks like truth, but it's not quite truth, which means it's a lie. And then another thing he'll do is mix in truth with lies. So you get lulled into thinking that it's all truth. And then another thing he'll do is convince you that it's not that bad or that somehow you're justified in your disobedience or in the untruth because it just seems right. And there are some scary verses in the Bible that says, you know, they did what seemed right to them or what seemed right in their own eyes. And I don't ever want to get into that position. So when I look at the list that I saw to encourage entrepreneurs to boost their confidence, I saw things like visualize yourself as you want to be, affirm yourself, do one thing that scares you every day, question your inner critic and desensitize yourself to rejection. Now, if I say this list out loud, you might be able to spot it right away. There, you might be able to see where there might be some truth twisting or maybe that truth and lie mix or the, that sounds like a good idea stuff in a list like this. The enemy has more tricks up his sleeve than that. After all, he is the father of lies, but there is one way to combat them and it is to look intently at truth and then walk in it. And if you remember in James chapter 1, verse 25, he reminds us that whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So let's look intently at truth and see what we see. I really hope you'll take the challenge this week to spend time in larger chunks of scripture. This is not a take apart every word kind of week. And while those are are really important too, it's good to take a step back and get a look at the big picture. So let's take Daniel, for example. Our lyrics ask God to give us faith like Daniel in the lion's den. Well, when I head over to the book of Daniel, I see that this story is in chapter six. It's a good one, and I will go ahead and recap it here. But remember, there are five chapters of experiences that will tell you a whole lot more about Daniel so that by the time you get to chapter six, it doesn't surprise you how he acted. So my encouragement to you is to take that larger chunk, read and keep on reading, see the whole story. But in Daniel chapter six, by the time he's here, he is one of the top three highest officials in the kingdom. He was actually on the fast track to the very top position right under the king. And the account, um, as we read it, makes it apparent that on the other high ranking officials, they were not pleased at this. And they were basically wanted to trick the king into making a declaration that they knew would entrap Daniel. So they convinced the king to establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever made petition or whoever prayed to any God or man for 30 days, except the king would be cast into the den of lions. Now, because of Daniel's character and his obvious outward devotion to God, they knew that he would not follow this ordinance. So he had already lived his life in such a way that Everybody around him knew how he was going to respond. <laughs> and um, in fact, they used it against him to, to trick, well, I guess to trick the king to make this happen against him. They just knew that he would be thrown into the pit of lions. In fact, in Daniel chapter six, in verse 10, it says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So when the high officials then tattled on Daniel to the king and reminded him that the ordinance could not be revoked once sealed, 
the king himself was actually very distraught at this. He um, <clears throat> he tried to figure out a way to deliver Daniel. In fact, even when he put him in the lion's den, the king himself would not eat and would not sleep. He fasted and he prayed for Daniel's protection. So let's pick up the account in verse 19. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The, cl- the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. They have not, um, I'm sorry, my God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And as I consider the topic of confidence, I ask myself, did Daniel have confidence? Where did he get it? And then how was it attributed? So let's take another bite of writing out some observations. And I always just keep in mind this topic of confidence. There's a lot we could learn from this, but we're just thinking about this idea of confidence. Now Daniel looked at the situation And he actually acted in civil disobedience to the law of the land. And he broke the law um, of the land because it broke the law of God. And it was pretty clear that he did not waver. It was like like he got word that the ordinance was signed and he just confidently worshipped God as usual. So I love that there was this precedence of how he would have acted already. This is obviously a testing of his faith, but he had a track record that gave him confidence. Implied here is an act of confident faith, you know, confidence that God is God and his duty, Daniel's duty to the Lord would not waver. We don't know if he thought that God could or would save him from the lion's den. We don't know if he thought, well, God will figure out a way to let the king figure out a way to get me from even being put there in the first place, maybe through politics. You know, the king maybe could change the ordinance. Obviously, that was not in the cards. Maybe Daniel believed that he could shut the mouths of lions. Or maybe he believed that he could resurrect him from the dead or not at all. Maybe he just figured this is it. (laughs) You know, I've lived a faithful life and I'm going to die serving the Lord. We don't know. We don't hear that part of the story. But his act of obedience was despite the eventual outcome. He waited. He got word that this declaration was signed and he worshiped God anyway. Now, some self-confidence was displayed in his statement. And, you know, here's the thing. The world really, 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 really focuses on self-confidence, having confidence in ourselves. And this is so contrary to what Scripture teaches. God doesn't want us to have confidence in ourselves. He wants us to have confidence, place our ultimate confidence in Him. But I don't think that that means that we should not have any self-confidence or that we should not display anything that kind of at all revolves around ourselves because I mean you look at his statement Daniel's statement because I was found blameless before him um, you know Daniel was confident that the part that was his to play was acted out in obedience without fault you see his ultimate confidence was in God but he held enough self-confidence to be able to play his part and his part was merely obedience see I think that the world says have self-confidence and that somehow you can control the outcome but the self-confidence that we should have, it, it should be number one, um, uh, secondary to the confidence that we have in the Lord. And then number two should just be in our ability or willingness to obey. 
And I, I say this because I don't want to imply that you can't have an honest assessment of yourself that ends up being good. But in the end, the goal is God's glory, not our own. So let's take a look at the um, a couple of contrasting ideas of the world as it relates to Daniel's story. Remember, I talked about considering the opposite. So one of the tips in the article I read said to visualize what you want to be. But we see Daniel here, rather than visualizing who he wanted to be, which is alive, I guess, but he put his mental efforts into strictly obeying the Lord. So his efforts, his eyes weren't even on himself at all. They were on God. And so really, if you're going to stop and visualize, which I don't think is a bad thing to do, it should really be to visualize how great God is and to remind yourself how great he is, not how great you are. And you might say, well, I mean, of course, he was already at the top. You told me he was already one of the top three officials. So, but if you jump back to Daniel chapter one, you see that this is actually Daniel's character and has been since he was a young man early in his captivity. He didn't have to visualize what he wanted to be. He just acted in accordance with who he was, a follower of God. And one of the other tips to boost self-confidence in this article that I read was to affirm yourself. (laughs) And I can't help but thinking of that old Saturday Night Live skit, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And um, But not so. Daniel affirming himself was not uh, at the top of his mind. In fact, when what was affirmed in the end was God's glory. I love how it ends. In verse 25, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall not be destroyed, shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. You see, because God's affirmation is what what is important. King Darius didn't affirm Daniel. He didn't like issue a decree for people to worship Daniel because he knew that as amazing as he thought Daniel was, which obviously he did, he was going to make him number one. It was God alone that deserved the glory. And ultimately, that should be our goal, not our self-affirmation but God's glory. And sometimes he will allow us to achieve some level of of success. And when we get there, it's our job to affirm him. Now, I guess I knew this would happen. I've talked so long about Daniel that we didn't get much in about Moses and David. So while I've had the privilege of spending some time in scripture and coming to some conclusions this week, there's plenty of room for you to add in your own study, because I really don't want you to miss out on these two other um, gentlemen that are spoken of in our song. So before we sign off, though, I do want to consider Moses and David. I want to compare a few of the confidence-boosting suggestions that we we spoke of earlier. Remember that sometimes the truth is mixed in with these other things. So while I really don't want you to visualize yourself or affirm yourself, I want you to fo- fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, and I want you to affirm his glory. There are times when, you know, like listening to that critical voice within us is also not a good idea. You know, you um, it, it, uh, when you read about Moses, you see that he started with no confidence in himself, which actually oozed into a lack of confidence in God. And that aroused God's anger. You know, so we see that listening to that critical voice in our head instead of what God says that he can do and will do through us. That's dangerous. So I happen to agree with that one, you know, quiet the inner critic. 
silence your own critical voice and tune into the Holy Spirit and then just obey what he says. And then um, there was another suggestion about getting used to um, rejection and, and getting used to it. Rejection is also not terrible advice. You see, Daniel had been rejected by the other officials around him throughout his entire story. And he didn't care what other thought, other people thought of him. He only cared about obeying the Lord. So kind of building up a resistance against rejection so that it didn't impact where he placed his confidence was a good thing. You see hints of family rejection in David's story too. Um, his father didn't even think to call him in from the field when Samuel asked all of his sons to come stand before him. You know, that's some kind of rejection. And David's brothers treated him poorly. You saw that when he was asking questions at the battlefield right before he knocked down the giant. And uh, we don't know what desensitized him from rejecting voices around him, but it just they just didn't seem to deter him. And um, what about the advice to do one thing that scares you every day? Well, I will say that all three of these men continued to put themselves in what we would consider scary situations. And so when you flex the muscle of obedience and you flex the muscle of faith in the face of danger or, or scary situations or in the face of rejection, it does get easier and easier to flex that muscle. So continue to flex that muscle of obedience in the small things so that, you know, when it comes to the big things, you can flex it. You know, he wasn't, Daniel wasn't afraid of an ordinance. He had been disobeying ordinances since the first days of his captivity. Every time Moses obeyed God, he seemed to encounter a new scary situation. An angry Pharaoh, the Red Sea, and an angry mob of scared Hebrew slaves. God's overwhelming presence on a mountaintop. You know, David, he wasn't afraid of the giant because he'd already killed a bear and a lion before. So with all of these great men of faith, I see one common thread. They did. They did have confidence, but it wasn't in themselves. It was in the Lord, and it grew through their obedience to him. Now, my word of caution is to beware of the messages of the world that are in contradiction to God's word. We started with that. I want to end with that. They may look awfully close to the truth, but they're twisted slightly. Or maybe there's lies mixed in with truth, so it just kind of makes it all look good. Or our flesh wants to justify sin is not that bad. Or any other number of ways the father of lies tries to trip us up. Just remember that when you know the truth inside and out, these tricks of the enemy will be easier to spot. And then my final word of encouragement is to build your faith in God the same way as Daniel and Moses and David through obedience and confidence in him alone for his glory alone. So what's next? Well, read up on Daniel. You can read the book of Daniel. Um, Moses, start in the book of Exodus. David, start in 1 Samuel. Don't be afraid to read and keep on reading. Make some observations along the way. And as you read, consider this topic of confidence and observe where these men of faith rooted their confidence. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat. Uh, my public Facebook page is Michelle L. Nizat. I'd love to talk with you about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, theoverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast. But more importantly, pointing them to God's word through music. And when you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes. So I encourage you to check them out at theoverflow.com. And I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website like Judy from Texas, Ernest from Nebraska, Debbie from Wisconsin, Taylor from Tennessee, Emma from Indiana, Lisa from Maine, Mary Rose from Florida, and John from the UK. Welcome. 
Now, new subscribers to my website, they benefit from a one-page resource of, of my top five bites. So I mentioned some of my bites today, but you'll get a one-page resource that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. In that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You also get an email recap of the week's episode and any of the extra resources that I create for my podcast from time to time. And all of that is my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Now, there are so many different ways to listen to the podcast these days. We are now featured on Joy 103.1 every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern, always on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio. And you can also subscribe in iTunes. And while you're there, um, would you leave me a written review and a star rating? This encourages me, of course, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Head Above Water by Avril Lavigne to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 245. And while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.